How are you doing tonight? This is Seek Sustainable Japan. I'm JJ Walsh in Hiroshima, and tonight I am talking with the amazing Felicity Talak, who is a filmmaker and has joined the series before. And today we're talking about her six months, actually seven months in Koyasan, working there. Thanks so much for joining. Well, thank you so much for having me back on. It was so much fun last time. And yeah, looking forward to chatting again tonight. So this is an area that we really haven't talked much on the on the talk show. People have <laughs> mentioned it, though. Yeah. Koyasan is such a, a wonderful, beautiful, spiritual place. Mm -hmm. How did you decide that you wanted to go and live there for seven months? Well, it took... Uh, a progression of experiences there. So I started off my first year in Japan, just visiting as everybody does and falling in love with it. If you haven't been to Koyasan, it's a uh, it's an enclave in the mountains that's just set up for Buddhism. And it's been there for 1,200 years. And you walk in to the village and it's it's tiny and there's something like 52 active temples. So everywhere you look, there's Buddhist monks, there's beautiful temples, and the atmosphere is so special. So I just wanted to visit again. So, gosh, I probably visited at least once a year and then kind of ratcheted up to staying overnight in one of the temples, which you can do. It's called Shukubo, and they actually are set up for pilgrims, but normal people can visit too. And being inside the temple, doing meditation, eating the food and uh, taking part in the fire ceremonies, it just it just deepened my interest. And I wanted to be in Khoisan for longer than a night because if you stay, it is quite expensive. And I started thinking, how can I stay here for more than a night? And in Japan, you can do what's called sumikomi, which is where you live in. Uh, a place, usually a ryokan or a traditional hotel or like an onsen town, hot spring town. And so there's a website called sumikomi.com, I think. And so I just started looking if there were any positions and there was, and I kind of, kind of filed that away in the back of my mind for a few years. And in 2015-16, I quit teaching and I was like looking for something else to do and I thought, oh, maybe this is my chance. I'll, I'll try it Koyasan. I applied uh, via this website and I thought that I would be doing something on the front desk. I was like, you know, I can speak Japanese. I can speak English. Um, I'll be an asset to the front desk. And they call me up and they're like, you realize this is a kitchen job? And I was like, okay. Um, I, I was hoping to stay a month. And they were like, you can't stay a month. You have to stay at least six months to make it worth our while training you. I was like, oh, great. Okay. Um, went talk to my husband. I was like, they want me to stay six months. And he was like, all right. So that's, um, yeah, I agreed and went for a quick visit to see kind of what the place was about. And that was the beginning, I suppose. Wow, that's amazing. And so you weren't working for money. You were working like it's kind of like a wolf system. Oh, I was system. working for money. Oh, I really? Paid, yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. I was Cause, paid. Because uh, when you were interviewing Jack on your, your oh, video series, and he was talking about just working for a place to stay, but that's you right. were working for money. Okay. Yes, yes. We had a different system. Jack was uh, on a three-month tourism visa. And yeah, he was just simply he working for a place to save food. And I think they would give him like a little kind of uh, allowance so he could buy food like outside of the temple sometimes or, um, you know, travel a little bit on his days off. But for me, no, I had an hourly rate. Um, and then outside of like they took they took my food from that hourly rate. I think it was like 500 yen a day for food. But then everything else was covered. So my I didn't pay rent and I didn't pay utilities. Um, but yeah, so I think it was something like a thousand yen an hour or around that number. Not a lot, but you know, not not nothing either. And probably not a lot to spend it on. So it was <laughs> pretty much all savings. Right? Exactly. Yeah. There's um yeah, I mean you live within a very small world. 
and you can be pretty content within that world. The food is amazing. Um, and when you go outside the temple, it's just so beautiful. And I'm a photographer, of course, so I was just outside taking photos and video all the time. Um, yeah, yeah, you're right. You don't really need to be paid that much, but it was nice to to receive some salary. Nice. Now on your your blog, uh, Where <laughs> Next Japan, I love this. You made this right when you got there, and it's yeah. it's kind of like your your vision board. Uh, yeah. How long am I going to stay? Six months. What am I going to do? Kitchen work in a temple stay. Mm. Why to live in Koyasan, to challenge myself, my goals to improve in Japanese, finish creative projects, succeed and work hard mm. in this job, my fears, failure, loneliness, frostbite. frostbite. That's yeah. <laughs> a, a big fear. If you ever stay over in a temple, they're really chilly um very chilly but my parents sent me a pair of legitimate ugg boots from australia so the um you know sheep sheep wool lined boots they helped a lot um but yeah like one of my goals was to succeed and at the beginning there was a real fear of failure uh, i had no idea what i was getting myself into i had no idea if i'd fit in um you hear all these stories about how hardcore Japanese workplaces can be. Uh, there was a lot of a lot of fear, but um, I was so lucky. I was supported by a team of you know there were four other women. So that's one of my coworkers, Yumi, and uh, there were you know my senpai Satjan. They were just amazing. They were supporting me the whole time. I couldn't have been luckier with the people I was with. There they are. Um, so on the far left, you have Horikiri San who was about 75 years old, but she's, you know, she's she's a lady, so uh, she actually lied about her age, so we think she's a little bit older. Um, and then sitting next to me on the left is Yumi, who's like a big sister, and then Satjan on the other side, who was my senpai, who was like my kind of the, my boss, my senior. And then on the right, uh, closest to the camera is Miho, who was kind of like my creative uh, partner in crime. And yeah, just such, they're like, yeah, family now. Wow. You still keep in touch? Yeah, 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 After, yeah. Oh, that's awesome. All of them, um, we still keep in touch. We see each other. Um, we do stuff together. Yeah. Yeah, that's great. Um, you're, I love your story of when you first arrived and how uh, you, they showed you the six-mat room and they said, actually, it's only four mats. Are you okay with that? And the previous occupant's stuff was still in there yeah, and yeah. she left after a month and then you had a panic. Am I going to have to leave after a month? Is it okay to stay? Mm -hmm. But then you, you started settling in, but mm -hmm. realized you didn't have a door. No, yeah, it was one of a very um, trademark blonde moment of mine. I was just like, where's the door? Oh, okay, this is just something I'm going to have to deal with. I went downstairs and I was like, do you guys have like a curtain or something? So at least I can put that up. And they're like, what are you talking about? Of course, you've got a door. I, like, I can't find it. And they all come up. They all come up. Um, and then, of course, it's just kind of like tucked in front of the storage like the, the the cupboards and I just thought it was the cupboards I was so embarrassed I was like oh my god they're gonna think I'm really dopey but um <laughs> and you were good. you were staying right above the kitchen so you I didn't thought, have much of a commute you said I was wonderful um not only was it super warm um but yeah it was literally you know 30 sec seconds down to the kitchen uh, so there was one afternoon that I was feeling a bit crook, a bit sick. And yeah, I could just get my time card and kind of like punch out and, you know, go upstairs to bed. So easy. Um, yeah, I really enjoyed that aspect of it. And you were talking about uh, you're not really religious and you weren't that interested in the spiritual side of it, mm -hmm. that it was more about uh, a deep dive into culture or learning the language. Is that right? Totally. Yeah. I often get asked about the the religious aspect. People will often say, oh, you must really love Buddhism or, or they'll really love Buddhism and they'll want to talk to me about it. But for me, it was definitely about improving my Japanese, about being in this 100% uh, 
Japanese uh, environment and, you know, seeing how much I could learn from that and improve because I've been here for quite a while. And at that point, I'd been in Japan maybe 10 years. And I just, you know, as you do, you don't always feel very confident in your language abilities. And I just wanted to kind of just, you know, be confident. Um, and it was amazing. It, it Being able to see behind the scenes of this temple and how people live their lives and kind of stuff that you can talk about and just it was eye-opening and unfortunately for Buddhism it wasn't eye-opening in a good way because the way that temples are structured is that it is it is more like a business to be honest and so the monks while they are you know they're great guys they don't get so much time to actually practice meditation or practice you know any religious kind of activities because they're so busy working and I just I felt a little bit burned out with with Buddhism when I came out to be honest because I just seen you know how in some ways queer sun can be very the the outside and the inside can be so different like the outside is this beautiful spiritual place but then the inside it's it's a lot more secular that's really interesting. Mm. And I'm, I'm sure that's what people do ask you about a lot um, because it is such an important spiritual place. Mm. But one thing that you did um, illuminate for all of us is all of your interviews with the monks who you were working with and how their backgrounds and mm. their philosophies were so unique and diverse and so interesting. I love that series you did. Thank you. Thank you. And there's stuff that I haven't yet completed um, that's still going to go up at some point. But the ones that I've made, yeah, there was the the mixer monk who, you know, he married into a Buddhist family. So he was, you know, from this kind of skater, DJ, party events background. And he had, you know, there's a picture of him with like dreadlocks and then he became a monk. And when you see him as a monk, he looks so much like a monk. He's got his head shaved. He's wearing glasses. He's a very kind man. And he, he has this very kind face, but he was also a bartender. So he would mix up these amazing cocktails for us in the kitchen and for like uh, our little personal kind of like drinking events. And um, it was, yeah, that that aspect of his personality was not dimmed or changed at all by being uh, a monk. Um, but then for some young men, you know, their family is a monk family, is a Buddhist family, is a temple family. And the expectation is that they will be taking over the temple and there's no real other path for them. So one man that I haven't put up yet, he came across as this really jokey, really just kind of almost like a playboy kind of guy. But when I interviewed him, he revealed this deep conflict within himself of, I don't really feel like I belong here. Uh, there are other things I want to do. I don't want to be a hypocrite, but I need to do this because it's what's been set up for me. It's what my family expects. And I was just so blown away by this man's, you know, kind of revelation that he really struggled and he'd actually left Khoisan, come back, left, come back several times trying to kind of deal with it, this himself. Wow, that is interesting. And it shows, but I, I think our impression from the outside is that all the monks are the same. Um, they're like a cookie cutter, you know, like, but then to realize that they all have these different backstories and their different mm -hmm. philosophies. I, I was really drawn to the story of Adachi Keishin. Yeah. And had, he plays the shamisen so mm -hmm. beautifully. Um, but his whole story about um, wanting to give people who were suffering some kind of comfort. And he really wanted to create a temple. I think he was from Hokkaido and he was going back there. He really wanted to create a temple someday that everybody would feel welcome at regardless of religion. Yeah. And if you had any suffering or someone died in your family and he could give some comfort, that that would be his his role in his, his being a monk. And I thought that was so beautiful. Totally. 
And people like Kadachi-san and one of my other um, friends, Jodo-san, when you meet them, that's when you're like, oh, this is, this is it. This is somebody who really, truly lives and breathes um, the, the mindset and the philosophy of Buddhism, uh, of reducing other people's suffering, of, of this openness. And yeah, Dachi-san is so serious about his philosophy and his beliefs. So yeah, I'd love to see where he is. I know that he went from the temple that I was working at, which was a koin, to the main um, temple in, in Koyasan. So he's he's definitely been recognized as somebody who is serious. So I wish him well and I hope, yeah, to find out how he's going in the future. Yeah, wonderful. Uh, we had a comment from Louise Poppy. She said she's stayed in Koyasan four times. Wonderful. Another addict. Louise. An it's addict, yeah. Place. Yeah. Hello from New Zealand. Yeah, she's she's in New Zealand now, but she's been to Japan many times. Okay. I I don't think I've been to Koyasan of all the places okay. I've been around Japan. But this is part of uh, the appeal to me. Mm. Now that I really want to get off the beaten track places, places which are less busy, oh, Koyasan yeah. is hard to get to. But yep. that makes it more appealing, right? So mm -hmm. you have to take a, a train and not not a usual easy to catch train. Mm -hmm. And then you do a trolley, like a, yeah. an extra cable car. And then you do a bus, yeah. right? So yeah. if you go to Koyasan, plan to stay at least a mm -hmm. night, right? A hundred percent. It is it is a way to get there. Um and I think you don't realize how different it can be just being there in the morning. Uh, so, yeah, definitely I would recommend people stay overnight, totally, especially after all that. Yeah, it's it's about, gosh, an hour and a half from Osaka, I think, because, yeah, if you do head out for a day, go early, I would recommend. It would take you from Osaka at least two hours, no? I think Longer. so, yeah. There's different mm -hmm. trains. There's a, there's a limited express and there's just a normal train. But... Yeah, and when the trolley and so everything's been redone as well, so it's really beautiful now. The uh, cable car and um, the stations, but yeah, it is. I would definitely stay overnight. And there's a whole different stuff. There's different packages, um, different prices. Most of the rooms are about ten thousand yen a night, I think. But that comes with dinner and breakfast, and that's uh, shojin ryori, which is uh, vegan uh, or vegetarian at least, uh, Buddhist food. Yeah. But so when you when you say vegetarian, you mean without fish, dashi, right? Yes. Yeah. Okay. It was, so it was it yes. Should, it, was it should be vegan then, no? Is there <laughs> eggs? inside no but um sometimes there are additives to like oh. at least when i was there we would get um because it's a commercial kitchen right it's quite a big kitchen serving 80 to 120 people per night so we would get you know uh bags pre pre-cut pre pre-made food to then arrange on the plates so sometimes they would have additives in them that weren't vegan but I think the trickiest thing was gluten. So we'd sometimes get people with uh, gluten allergies and that would be, then we'd be like really going through the um, ingredients lists because things like soy sauce, of course, have gluten in it. Um, but to their credit, a lot of the temples in Koyasan are becoming more aware of gluten-free and other kind of allergies. So they will have a separate menu um, depends on the temple, but yeah, they are a lot more progressive about that. Yeah. And this is, of course, connected to your main job in the kitchen, right? Yes. Tell us about all this food prep. It just looks incredible. Yes. So that was, that was my job. Um, primarily was uh, arranging food on plates. And so there was breakfast and then there was dinner. And in breakfast was a much simpler affair. Uh, it was something like um, we have the miso soup and we'd have, um, gosh, we'd have some pickles and umeboshi and things like that. 
And the ones that you're showing at the moment, this was plates for dinner. Uh, we have, yeah, this is shredded carrot in this one. And I was very proud of myself because I could arrange the carrot so beautifully. Uh, you kind of like scoop it up from um, the, the tub, which is just full of water and, and shredded carrot. And you scoop it up and you kind of mold it in your hand. And then you just gently uh, place it so beautifully on top of the other, you know, beans and tofu and things in the plate. Um, but, you know, my very first job was pickles. So there were these two um, daikon pickles that were yellow and you had to, yeah, that one, and you had to put them just slightly offset from each other um, uh, and then with a little pinch of like a kind of purple uh, pickle with, with it and that was my job. I just had to do 80 of them um, and then I could graduate, graduate up to the next one. It took me probably a few weeks before I was allowed to do the konyaku, which was really slippery. Konyaku is kind of, gosh, how would you describe konyaku? We'd have these like slices of this kind of rubbery gray. Uh, it was different colors. Isn't uh, that it in the picture right now? The, it's kind of like konyaku. a the, konyaku, right? The one I'm talking about was meant to represent, um, it was, it was in a different kind of bowl and you had three of them and they had to be slightly offset from each other and they had to stand up as they were being like draped over something so they had to kind of stand up and so that was they were so slippery and you're struggling to like separate them but kind of have them you know, it was it was difficult um so yeah you'd kind of like graduate to different dishes as you went uh it took me i think you probably read the i hate rice blog post I can't remember yeah. exactly when I was allowed to do rice. It probably was about two months into it, though. Well, you you blog about your your end of your stay at Koyasan, <laughs> and you were really proud by then. You had accustomed to making all the rice. It was such an important job, and I totally get that. Right, like everybody would really rate the mm -hmm. rice the, yep. the strictest because yes. you're in japan but you got a compliment didn't you <sighs> somebody said it was the tastiest rice they'd uh, eaten in koyasan right that's good yeah i yeah when you get comments like positive comments like that it totally makes it worth it because rice is so important and i you know, the moment that I started doing rice was the moment that all the attention from the uppers, like, you know, the people who own the temple were suddenly on me because if you don't get the rice right, if it's wet, if it's undercooked, if it's not beautiful, then, you know, the whole reputation of the temple is at stake. So, yeah, it was very stressful my very first night. But, yeah, sometimes you get nice comments like that. Makes makes your day. Yeah. And uh, anybody growing up in Japan, even my kids, mm. they're such rice connoisseurs. Yes. Um, they know quality yes. of rice. Seriously. <laughs> you can taste it. Yeah. <laughs> they could taste it. Um, Tiffany has joined from Facebook. Thanks, Tiffany. She says, very inspiring stories. Thanks for sharing Felicity, Felicity stories. I've connected with her and love the film she produced. Been to Koyasan last year for New Year's Eve and stayed for several days. Ooh. It was an amazing experience. Oh, that Great. sounds really cool. Over New Year's so Eve, that would be really wild. That is, and it's quite rare. Um, I wonder for Tiffany, there probably weren't that many people up there, so it would have been very spiritual, very calming experience as well, um, and probably a little bit chilly. But I, I, yeah, I wonder which temple uh, Tiffany stayed at as well. I'd love to know. Yeah, interesting. Uh, since we're talking about food, mm -hmm. uh, you did have some beautiful photos of tofu, many kinds <laughs> of tofu, um, because it is a Buddhist heaven in Koyasan. Were there a lot of like other places to eat which had really good vegan vegetarian food like this? Yes. Yeah. So this place was, uh, I think, pretty newly opened when I went up there and we went to its its opening week and this is the, the food we ate. Uh, and Koyasan's really famous for a special kind of tofu called gomadofu, which is uh, sesame seed flavored tofu. And so, yeah, a lot of the tofu at this uh, restaurant was gomadofu, 
But not only tofu in this one, um, the one that's on the right most top corner, that would have been koyadofu, which is kind of almost like a spongy kind of um, kind of more airy kind of um I don't even know if it's tofu, but it's called koi tofu. It's, I think it might be a different, uh, maybe wheat or something, and it's quite fluffy. And then down the middle uh, bottom row, that's gummo, which is, I think it's like a skin of tofu, and it's, yeah, it kind of soaks up the juices. It's really tasty. So, yeah, lots of different kinds of, anyway, soy products in that in that. Um, but my favorite restaurant in Khoisan is a place called Bonsha. And Bonsha is run by uh, uh, my friends Vero and Takeshi-san. And they make this amazing lunch plate and also amazing chai. Um, but quite a big plate, uh, all homemade food. So I would eat at Bonsha all the time. Whenever I had a day off and I wasn't getting food from the temple, I'd go there. Nice. Uh, you also introduced beautiful wagashi. Was this also in Koyasan? This was. This was, gosh, maybe my second or third week. So Jack was there by that point. And Ekoyan, where I work at, where I worked at, was connected with this gentleman. Uh, and he is he's a tea ceremony teacher, but he's kind of pop. He's, he does it his own special way and you can see his hair is dyed green and he goes up there for workshops all the time and he was there doing a workshop and he was being videoed for a TV program. Yes, so Jack was kind of pulled into that a little bit reluctantly because Jack was a very shy man and he didn't really want to be and he'd only just come to Japan. He didn't speak any Japanese and then suddenly he's being like shown how to do tea ceremony. It wasn't working, so they pulled me into it as well. So, yeah, there's a, a TV program out there somewhere where you can see Jack who's just, like, sitting there kind of stunned and me trying to look really interested and, like, oh, my gosh, yes. And um, I think this Wagashi is really expensive too. It's probably, like, 20,000 yen just for you this one. You said in the blog that it was yeah. 50,000 yen, $500. <laughs> I couldn't believe it. But yeah. it is so beautiful. You usually don't see wagashi quite like this. No. It must have taken ages to make it. Amazing. And it's very big. I want to eat it. Uh, <laughs> I have to save up my money, though. <laughs> So we've talked a little bit about the food. What other jobs did you have? It looked like you're doing laundry here. Yep. Uh-huh. So we would do so we do the breakfast, we set up the breakfast, and then after we ate our breakfast, then we would uh, the monks would be bringing in the sheets that they'd be taking out of the rooms, and our job was to separate everything. So we separated the sheets from the clothes that people wore, like the yukata, the belts, and um, then wrap it up so that the laundry could be taken out later on. And then we had to do the belts. Uh, so we just sit there for sometimes our break or in between uh, other jobs and we would just chat and we just roll up these belts. And I tried it recently when I went to Kinosaki Onsen. I've forgotten how to do it. <laughs> Used to be quite good at it, but uh, it is a knack that once you lose, it's hard to get back. But um. Yeah. Is there a special way to do it, to roll up the belt? Yeah, you means, had to start right? with like a hexagon shape and then you kind of could roll it around that. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, so this is one of those things when you stay in a yokan that you don't you don't think of someone sitting there rolling them all up <laughs> for some reason, right? No, you just I was think super... they're using a machine or something. Right. And, yeah, all of the, um, like the kind of blue, heavier, uh, coats for the yukata we would fold them up as well um but we were so lucky when i was there that there was like a separate laundry service because pr maybe even only a few months prior to me arriving they had to they had to iron the sheets like that was part of the job of the kitchen girls was to iron the sheets and so that would take up a lot of time. You just, you know, all of your break time would basically be ironing these sheets. Um, so I was really grateful that by the time I got there, that was somebody else's job. And all I had to do was roll up belts. 
yeah, we had a lot more free time. <laughs> ironing sheets. Yeah, I'm horrible at ironing. That would be torture for me. <laughs> that might be torture. Uh, Tiffany has gotten uh, back with details about where she stayed. She was at Renge Join Temple. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yes. Sounds great. Renge Join's a lovely one. So even after seven months, you said in your, your blog that you still hadn't been to all the temples and you didn't realize till the end of your stay that there were some temples you could stay for free. Is that right? Um, not stay for free, but visit. You could okay. uh, enter. So, yeah, I really wished that I could go into as many temples as, as possible, but it seemed, I, my, my assumption was that you could only visit them if you were a paying guest. And for some of them, that is the case. Um, especially there are some like uh, Fuku, uh, Fuku, Fuku, oh, Fuku oh, I forget the name of it, but it's the one that has the onsen. And apparently the owner of that one is very strict. You can't even really loiter outside the gates too long. But other places you can go along and if you just say, I would like to, you know, pay my respects at your main hall, then you're allowed in. You can go visit the main hall. Um, and sometimes if you ask politely, they'll let you see the garden. Um, and there's actually a map that tells you which ones will let you do that. But, um, yeah, I didn't know about that map until like my last two weeks. And then I was like running around like a, a headless chicken trying to, to hit them all. Have you been back since you you did that seven months and then you left? Have you been mm -hmm. back to visit? I have. I went the following summer and stayed with uh, Miho, who was one of my one of my temple friends. And I think I I went quite a few times, but the last last year I didn't go because COVID was just starting to get too much. Um, but yeah, it was, it was hard to leave. Um, but sometimes, you know, it can be hard to go back as well because so much changes. Basically everybody I worked with is, is not there anymore and it's a whole different crew and even some of the monks are different. So, and, uh, you know, the head, the owner of the temple, Jogo-san has uh, passed away now. And so things are really different, but before you, yeah, you know, the summer I went back, I had made my film and I really wanted to show it in Koyasan. So I approached uh, Inge-san, who was the son, the, the younger, the, the son of uh, the owner. And he was like, yeah, yeah, you can show your film. So I took it up and yeah, we set it up on a projector and in one of the halls and some people from some people who were just staying the night in the temple and also in other temples came to see it and yeah, it was really special. I was really, I was just so pleased that they would support me like that. Now, I think I read somewhere that you you had written the story mm. while you were in Koyasan. Is that right? Yeah, I definitely had the inspiration to start while I was there. And I believe that I had started the script uh, while I was up there. And I bought some kimono while I was there but being in Koyasan definitely gave you a lot of inspiration a lot of time to be creative um, and so when, when I came down from the temple that's when we really I really kicked into gear with getting the film made yeah now I'm showing this picture here because I reading your blog I imagine that this was where you would go on your breaks and do some writing is that right totally the inner garden was just so beautiful and uh, this is the autumn season and where Yumi-san is sitting you just look out and there's like a little pond and there's all these trees framing it. It was just such a quiet place and by this point in the morning, it was about 10 o'clock, uh, the guests had left. They usually have to leave before 10. So you'd have the place to yourself until about 4 p.m.-ish. So yeah, for my breaks, uh, we'd have a break around 10 and then uh, lunch break was two hours. Uh, so yeah, I would sit here or I'd sit up next to the main hall. There was like a little corner on the wooden balcony uh, that was kind of tucked away so nobody could really see. And it was just all around was just trees. 
So that that was also a favorite spot for sitting. Oh, and the roof. Oh yeah, I there was one picture I didn't grab it um, where you guys accessed the roof, and then you were asked by a guest if they could join you, and you said no, just for stuff, right? Just for stuff. <laughs> and even that, I was like, so at the very first time, uh, I think Miho took me up. I was just like, is this really okay to be on the roof? And then one of the senior monks saw us from the window. And I was like, this is it, we're gonna get it. And he just leans out and he's just laughing at us. And he's just like, God, you guys really stand out being up there. And we're just like, and then he just kind of like laughs at us and walks away. And yeah, they all, that's where people would go to hang out on, on the roof of the temple. It was amazing. <laughs> so it's, it's not really what you expected before you went, right? Like you were expecting uh, maybe everything would be really strict or everybody would be really spiritual. And yeah. that's really different from your experience, isn't it? So different. I, I, don't, I don't know if it was just because of the, the people there, but even in the, the kind of uh, description of the temple on the website, when I first applied, they said it had a really at-home atmosphere. And that's definitely what I experienced. Um, you know, the owners of the temple were so chill. Um, I would go and talk to Inge-san about, you know, can I can I film a, a zombie film here? And he'd be like, Inge and I? Like, sure, why not? Kind of thing. Um, the Okusama was so kind to me. When I left, um, she painted, she calligraphy of my name she decided that she didn't like the kanji i already had so she gave me sen instead of i think i had like chi which is like to know she changed my kanji because she thought this one was softer um just just so sweet um wonderful people and my my co-workers of course very supportive but yeah it was so different uh, for example one of the things i thought was that all the food would be vegetarian because it was Buddhism. And when you're a guest, it's vegetarian. But um, it's super meaty. Like the staff meals are like, like fried pork cutlets or beef curry or sashimi. Like the food was good. It was really good, but it wasn't vegetarian. And in fact, Jack, the backpacker, was a vegetarian. And the head chef was irritated with him because he was just like could we just like take you know I could eat this if you just didn't add this bit in the, the chef was just so irritated with him poor Jack <laughs> that to me as well because we are now vegan uh in the last yeah. couple of years we've been vegetarian for many years in mm. Japan and it's always a frustration and whenever we talk to local people about being vegetarian everybody always says you should go to Koyasan because it's so mm. easy there and everybody's vegetarian and that is not true now i know Poor Jack. It's Poor a challenge. Jack. So because, if even yeah. it's difficult in Koyasan, really? Like why? Mm. What is the hurdle? I don't get it. <laughs> I don't it's, know. Um, yeah. I've talked to uh, the Kiwi Yamabushi. Uh, he oh, does yeah. the... Yeah, Tim Bunting, right? And he's oh. he's talked about their shojin yori, and they actually have fish dashi in the shojin yori there, so uh, it's not yeah, yeah. it's not even it's vegetarian. So it's yeah, it's not straightforward. We need we need a bit more understanding about why mm -hmm. people want to be plant based. Maybe yeah, yeah. maybe. Uh, let's let's talk about the trees. The forest mm. is really special, right? Okunoin. So Okunoin is the cemetery. Um, so you can walk through the Okunoin. It's quite, it's huge. Um, between the the entrance to the actual um, mausoleum of Kobodaisi, it's at least two kilometers. And you're just surrounded by these massive trees. They're 400 years old, older, um, Koya, Koya, Koyamaki, Koyasuki. Uh, and they're just massive trees. Um, and so I think that's the place that you feel the most special when you're in Koyasan. It's just very quiet. Uh, during the day, this lovely filtered light comes through. And you're just surrounded by all of these 
important people. They have, you know, samurai warlords and and uh, the founder of Panasonic is in there. And if you do the night tour, they actually talk about the the form of the 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 stones that you see. How it's a very Buddhist form. It has, you know. Uh, space and the four other uh, four elements fire water uh, wind and earth as part of it yeah it's just such a beautiful quiet um, calm spot Okunoyan. uh well with the forest and the trees over 300 years old mm -hmm. I, re I read somewhere is that right mm -hmm. beautiful Super old, yeah three four hundred years old yeah you don't often see such big old growth no. around Japan anymore. So that, that must be beautiful. Mm -hmm. And it looks like you really, well, you were there autumn and winter, right? Autumn, winter, and spring. Oh, you did see spring as well, yeah. because most of your photos are, mm -hmm. it just looked like you loved autumn the most. And winter also looked really special. Yes. Oh, my God. Autumn was glorious. It was so beautiful. And I would definitely... Uh, I would organize my days off so I could just bathe it in. Just, just I was literally at places, just lying down on a bench, just looking up. It was so beautiful. Uh, and at the temple itself, um, with its big kind of forested grounds, was also just was so beautiful. And then winter, Koyasan had a huge, like a huge amount of snow that year. Um, so much that the cable car actually went down and people could only get up to Khoisan by bus, um, later on bus. But at first, like for a week, it was only individual people's cars that went up and down. So no tourists at all, unless you hiked. So there were a couple of really keen photographers who I met who had hiked up the snow covered mountain to capture this beautiful Khoisan in the snow. Uh, and it is it is just so gorgeous. So the red of Daito Garan and um Kongo Buji and just these and the and the you know Okunoin as well, just covered in snow. Yeah, it's just so beautiful. You must but, have been in heaven as a photographer, videographer, filmmaker, right? I was. I just every break time, every day off, I just expended so much energy, just always going out. Uh, and my senpai Satchan was exactly the same. She's always going out. We're always going to festivals and different events. Um, whereas some of my other co-workers were more chill. They'd be just like, let's just read a book. Let's just like, like relax. Let's just enjoy the moment of being here. But me and Satchan were just like here and there and everywhere. Um, Cause there is so much, like you see all of these little festivals happening um, from the mochi throwing my first month in October which is intense. Like, have you ever done much mochi throwing before? <laughs> it's so yeah. intense. We have it in Hiroshima at the some yeah. of the shrines and temples, and it's it's really wild. But it looks yeah. like they're throwing it without any plastic wrapping, which I was very keen on. But then, do people pick it up and eat it, or do yeah. they take it home and roast it first? Um, gosh, because oh, they don't pick it. They don't it's pick it up. And eat it. They okay. roast it. Yeah. Yeah, they take it home and roast it because um, it is it's hard. hard, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> They're like frisbees. So this was the first one, and at this particular event, somebody had an umbrella that they'd upturned, <laughs> which I don't think is in the spirit of the rules. But and they were trying to capture as much as possible. Um, but we went to one that was much more local, much smaller, and the old grandmas are vicious. They're like elbowing you out of the way. Oh my god, I don't, I don't even eat mochi. Okay, you can have it. Like I'm just here for fun. Um, I, I'd never taken part in that that event outside of um, Koyasan, but I think it does happen everywhere. But yeah, no, I, I love it. Yeah, it's um, isn't it around the same time as the demon throwing the soybeans? Oh, uh, Setsubun, is it, Setsubun. or is it? We did it in uh, in Kosan, They did it in no, like October, November. That's okay, when okay. they were doing it. They had the big maybe, ones. Maybe I'm the... confusing the beans and the mochi. It's probably two <laughs> different festivals. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Speaking of Japanese culture, uh, you had a great explanation about this 
New Year's decoration that you often see hanging in front of houses and around Japan um, from one of your co-workers, right? Yeah, yeah, this is Boruto. And this was the gentleman I was talking about who had that real conflict inside of him. Uh, so yeah, he often would help me out. Um, so he also has explained the fire ceremony, but I haven't made that video yet. And um, yeah, yeah, he we went around and he told me about that. I haven't reread it, so I forget. I'll have to reread it. But I was surprised that it was like a the like the fruit wasn't like a mandarin like I assumed. It was much more bitter fruit, isn't it? Yeah. And I saw uh, at Tondo Matsuri recently when they uh, take all the New Year's ornaments and the good luck charms and they do a ceremony uh, bonfire. Mm -hmm. And uh, they were taking out all the oranges. And they were like, we don't want that in the fire. We want to reuse it. And I was like, how do you reuse it? You know, they're like, oh, you can make it into juice or, you know, so that decoration, yeah. they actually would reuse that orange. I, yeah. I thought that was surprising. Yeah. That is surprising. Yeah. It's so beautiful. And I love how he's explaining um, the white paper is like a lightning bolt mm -hmm. to keep out the bad luck. Yeah. As as you go in an entrance. I thought that was really yeah. cool. Yeah. Yeah, he was great. Um he was he was super up for being like part of videos and stuff. So he's in the the Terra Temple um horror one as well. Yeah, and you know, they all have these really interesting nicknames. So his nickname was Borita and there was another guy called Marcy and Hamuchan. So uh yeah, I wish I could remember the other ones. But that, of course, wasn't their real names. Like Marcy, his last name, I think, was Shima. So it was just an inversion of that. And Hamujan, I can't even remember his real name, but he must have liked Hamtaro, the hamster. Uh, so that's why he was Hamujan. And then Boruto, uh, he was really tall and athletic. So they associated him with Usain Bolt. So... That's why his name was Borita. I see. Yeah. Boys, boys and their nicknames. But it's so wild, isn't it? Like it's not your your image of a uh, of Buddhist monk, and you no, you guys were having like, so much fun together, right? They were. They were. It was like being away on a school camp, but for much longer. They all had their dormitories, like not dormitories, but they were sometimes uh, sharing a room. So I think, like, um, yeah, they're like Hamutan and another guy were together and they had like you know the shoji paper walls you know that the doors and they'd poke holes in them like they would they were just like to do it like a, to tease each other or like annoy each other they'd poke holes in the shoji it really reminded me of yeah just university but they're all much older they're you know in their 20s their late 20s their 30s um wow. But it's but, great training for them. It's part of growing up, right? Doing the training, but also absolutely. making friends and being away yes. from home. Yeah. Yes. Um, yes. So in terms of your targets, mm -hmm. uh, you were talking about you did learn Japanese quite well. That was one of your big, mm. big successes of your, your experience, yeah. right? But I feel like it's a short-lived one because when I came down from the mountain, I felt so good about Japanese. I felt I could talk to anyone. I could understand so well. But I've been in Kyoto for five years now and I've been immersed in this English bubble. Um, you know, nobody at work speaks Japanese. That You know, there are Japanese staff and Japanese teachers, but everybody speaks English so perfectly that we all just communicate in English. And over the years, I've definitely felt my Japanese decreasing and it's frustrating because I wish it would just stay at the same level. <laughs> but I have to keep putting, you know, I have to keep maintaining it. And sometimes I get busy with other things and I don't. So that's annoying. It's, it's weird, isn't it? Because I was in the same English bubble teaching at university for a long time. And yeah. uh, your whole day, even though you're in Japan, your entire day is in English, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's so hard to get out of it, um, you know, as well. So I'd be interested if you have any tips. How can I escape the English bubble? 
Yeah, just before and after work, you know, on your way, just chat to mm -hmm. everybody. I love talking to people. So I'm always picking up conversations. And, oh, that's yeah. a good idea. At the supermarket or, you know, yeah, in line for something home. at the bank. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'll have to try um, that. Yeah, I want to ask you a little bit about your process of writing your story mm -hmm. while you were there. So did the ideas come mm -hmm. from people that you met? Or was it purely mm -hmm. your imagination? Was it something you overheard? I'd love to know some details. A mix of, of many things. Before I went up to Koyasan, I was living in Ikoma and I was really good friends with a couple of girls there uh, who were born and raised in Japan, but were not Japanese in any way. They were both, uh, their mom, parents were from Wisconsin and they'd never lived in America. They'd only ever lived in Japan, but they were, you know, blonde, blue eyed girls. And so I interviewed them for my video, Third Culture Kids, and they told me how they had this, you know, feeling of not kind of fitting in. So that kind of gave me this kind of, the spark of inspiration for a story about how it feels like not to fit in properly. But when I was in Koyasan, I had this idea, you know, there's this very traditional place and maybe there'd be a woman within that place who was very traditional, um, but feeling this urge to kind of maybe try something different, break out of it. And then she meets this person. Um, at that time I was imagining it would be a foreigner completely that maybe takes her on this one day of uh, exploration and adventure and breaking out of, you know, the strictures that she's been part of in this very traditional life in Khoisan. And then at the last minute, she pulls back and she's like, no, I can't do this. And he goes on his way and then she continues with uh, her life, getting married to somebody in Khoisan and then uh, nothing changing. And one of my coworkers was very traditional girl and she every break time she'd she'd rush up to the okunoin and she'd pray she'd pray to kobodaishi to change her life and um she'd give you know 500 yen you know usually you set throw five yen into the box but she would throw 100 yen 500 yen and she was just so you know she'd take me with her and we'd you know we'd talk about it and she just wanted to change her life and then, you know, we're good friends and I, I could sometimes feel frustrated because I was like, you could change your life. You need to take control of your life. You know, if you're frustrated with this guy that you're dating or this type of guy that you're dating, change it. So a lot of my initial ideas about Ami and the fact that Ami in the film goes to all these like little shrines and prays was based very directly off of my coworker. And this, this feeling that she wants change, but she's not really willing to do it herself. She wants it to kind of happen from outside of her. Uh, and so then when Hayato says to Ami, you know, you've got to do it yourself. That was me kind of like channeling to my friend saying, come on, you know, it's, it's never going to happen unless you make it happen. So, yes, that was, that was very directly taken from Koyasan, yeah. And so much of just being around all that beauty, mm. having that time to yourself mm. to think of these ideas and make these connections. And I think it's so impressive that you were able to write a completely new story. All And you wrote it all in Japanese as well? I, I wrote it in English. Um, and then I worked with uh, a friend, um, Hidekazu uh, Takahashi, who lives in in Osaka and I met him on just like a small you know music video set he really loves films and he speaks English very well and he you know he's Japanese so he translated it um yeah yeah but and the film the you know it was my first script ever and it wasn't formatted properly and it wasn't completed uh, you know when we started filming I hadn't finished the script and we added scenes later. So Koyasan was definitely a big chunk of writing, but <laughs> I still didn't finish it, unfortunately. <laughs> but yeah, it was all right in the end. Yeah. Well, if if people want to read more about your Koyasan adventures, uh, I would send them to your 
website, mm -hmm. whereisnextjapan.com, and you have a great blog. I found it really interesting to read Thank through. You. Have you ever thought of making it into a book or anything? Uh, yeah, I have. <laughs> I have. I keep on toying with it. Um, very fictional, but yeah, I, yeah, I keep it there as as inspiration. I would love to write about that experience from in, within a story. Yeah, but we'll see. And then, of course, um, your YouTube channel, I think, mm -hmm. is just not getting enough views for all of the work and quality that you're doing. Thank so you. everybody, please check out um, Where Next Japan on YouTube, right? Yes, that's right. Thank you. Yeah. It's uh, you've got some great videos there and so many. You've been doing it for a long time, right? Yeah, I've been doing it now 10 years. Um, started in 2012. So, yeah, I, I haven't been as consistent as I should be, but hopefully I'll be putting up more videos more monthly on a more frequent basis. So, yeah. I'll look forward to that. Shout out. Awesome. Um, any advice, final words of advice for someone thinking about going to Koyasan to work like you did? Yeah, I think that it is not as difficult as you might imagine. Uh, Ekoyan was definitely not the only place that had foreigners working at, at it. And because uh, it is not super popular for, um, you know, Japanese people to work at anymore and the workforce tends to be a little bit elderly, uh, you will probably find um, that you're welcomed, especially if you're willing to, you know, put in the work. It is hard, especially at first. You wake up early. Um, I was lucky that Ekoyan finished at 7 p.m. at night, but some temples will finish at 9. So really think about, um, you know, your own personal kind of like body clock. You do get a lot of breaks during the day, so it's not, you know, 6 a.m. till 9 p.m. It's, you know, lots and lots of breaks. And, um, yeah, I would just say go for it. It's a great experience. It's wonderful to see Koyasan, you know, 24-7, different seasons. Um, and if you are vegetarian, maybe consider changing your diet for a few months, <laughs> unfortunately, because wow. otherwise you're just going to eat um, Koyadofu yeah. and yeah. um I mean, Jack Jack did it for three months and he was, you know, he would go to some of the izakaya and they would actually make him really tasty vegetarian food. So, yeah, you don't have to change your diet. You, you stay strong and just um, just don't listen to people <laughs> when they're irritating. I hope, I hope it's getting easier. But, you know, now with we don't have much international tourism, so I could be going not. the other way. Yeah. <laughs> Um, Louise says Koyasan is a magical sort of place. Yeah, it definitely. Is, it is I think magical. it sounds like it was such a great experience. So glad that you had that and you can draw on those memories as well. Developing your, your film career into mm -hmm. other areas of Japan too, right? Hopefully, hopefully. Fingers crossed. And spend time more than a day trip. Yes. Try and stay at least overnight if you can afford it too. Uh, that way you get, you know, the full morning to evening experience. Second day, if you do stay, I would recommend not eating at the temple, but actually trying one of the izakaya uh, because the food at the izakayas are just, just so good. Um, and go to Bornsha for lunch and tell Veto that I sent you. <laughs> I want to go there and spend a week at least. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, not just a day for sure. Not just a day. Nope. Yeah. Well, thank you so much, Felicity. Have thank a great you. night. You too. It's around and around and around. Are you near? Pick up your phone, dear. I've searched for hours, but you're nowhere. I found the note beside your care bear. Won't you see? Won't you see? I'll take your pain, just let me through Don't worry, baby, I love you Don't be afraid to tell me the truth
I show my tears to you, I'm stronger I dropped the armor, now I'm bolder